Punky Peeps, and welcome to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. I'm your host, Angela Bowen. Well, we are here on Sunday, officially Mother's Day. I hope all you mothers out there have had a wonderful day. Mine has been very decent. <laughs> Today I will be reviewing the Punky uh, Brewster Season 1, Episode 9, Miss Adorable, which aired on November 25th, 1984, so right around Thanksgiving time. In this episode, we see Punky, Cherry, and Margot competing for the Miss Adorable title with surprising results. Also, this episode has a guest star, Andy Gibb, playing himself. Last week, for the episode of the week question, the episode Miss Adorable, I asked any of you have if any of you have been in a pageant or talent show or a school play. Well, I didn't get any responses, so I'll give you some of mine. I was never in a pageant or a talent show, but I was in a school Christmas sing-along in second or third grade, I can't remember which. We were singing, at, you know, Rudolph or something, and all of a sudden I felt uncomfortable. Why, I'm not sure, but I ran out to where my teacher was sitting, telling him how I didn't want to be in the sing-along. I didn't feel very well. And he told me just, you know, suck it up and get back up there. Then in fifth grade, I was in the D.A.R.E. program, which is a program to help keep kids off drugs back in the day. We had a D.A.R.E. musical. I remember we had recorders that we um, had to use, and I was just pretending to play because I was really bad. I didn't know what I was doing. So I just kind of blew into it and kind of mimed, fingering the little holes. But we were all rehearsing up until the time to go on stage and perform. And all the other kids, you know, they were still goofing off. We were all in the music room. And another teacher had stepped in and said, Do you want to make your teacher cry? Because she's about, she's going to cry if you don't straighten up. So she really got in all the kids' faces. <clears throat> but overall, the play did go well. Okay, on to the bonus question of the episode. I asked, what other episode did Andy Gibb play in on Punky Brewster? The answer, Season 1, Episode 14, Play It Again, Punky. He played Punky's piano teacher, Tony Glenn, who Punky helps to try to get a record deal. The episode starts in Punky's room. We see Brandon trying to sleep in his cute little inner tube bed. He's got this cute little nightcap with a kitten and a puppy on the front. We see Punky, Cherry, and Margo having a pillow fight with each other, all the while giggling. Which, who has pillow fights anymore <laughs> when they're kids? It kind of hurts. I think I might have had one when I was a kid with my cousins and stuff, and I'm sure someone got a pillow corner in the eye, and uh, that was the end of that. Margo's wearing this pink hairnet, probably to keep her curls in place. Punky yells, I've got punky power! I love that, it's funny. As she continues to hit Cherry and Margo with her pillow. Henry opens the door to her room, ordering them to freeze. Then he all, they all hold their pillows in the air, and Henry asks, Are you girls having fun? Yeah, they all answer in unison. Then stuff it and go to bed, Henry yells at them. Henry, they're little girls at a sleepover. What did you think was going to happen? They were going to be quiet as mice? No. Good night, he tells them as he closes the door. Well, gang, I guess it's bedtime, Punky admits as she climbs into her bed and Cherry and Margo toss their pillows on their sleeping bags on the floor. 
Do you still sleep with dolls? Margot asks Cherry accusingly. Of course. What do you sleep with? Cherry asks. Margot pulls this gold trophy out of her sleeping bag. My trophy, she says, holding it up. Well, of course she does. What would that be? Thing? Would that be pointy and, and jab at her in her sleeping bag? I mean, that just looks like it would seriously be very uncomfortable to sleep next to you. I surely wouldn't want to sleep with it. Your trophy? Punky asks in surprise. Of course. I always take my awards, medals, and trophies to bed with me. Okay, which leads me to ask, how many does she got? She didn't bring all of them with her, did she? <laughs> I don't. Me either, Cherry adds. Why not? Margot asks. I don't have any, Punky admits. Me either, Charlie, uh, Cherry adds. Really? I enter every contest I can. Why, at three months old, I was voted best-dressed baby, Margot tells him. Then I won a golden booty for most uh, something toddler. I, I really couldn't understand what she said. Something toddler, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't make out what she said. Then I won the sweetest smile, and Margot demonstrates this by grinning broadly. I could go on and on, Margot admits. Ugh, please don't, I'd say if I were Punky. You already have, Punky informs her. Oh, I don't do it for me. I do it for my parents. Parents, Margot explains. Well, what? That's not good. Margot, you don't need to compete and win pageants to win your parents' love and affection. Although maybe in her case she probably does. Every time I win, they brag about me to their friends. Then it gives them proof that I'm somebody special. Okay, that's a really frightening take on just how conceited Margot is and her home life. This need to compete to get her parents' attention. Henry says I'm special all the time, Punky tells her. And you actually believe that, Margot says. My grandma says, sweet potato, you're perfect just the way you are, Cherry tells him as she squeezes her doll tightly to her. Aw, I love that. That's so sweet. I love her grandma's nickname for her better than fat butt, let me say that much. I see. She calls you a vegetable, Margot says, not impressed. Well, no matter what your parents say, they want you to be a winner. On number one, you gotta make them proud of you, Margo says, getting into her sleeping bag. That girl's got a very convoluted way of thinking. Seriously. Margo, Margo, Margo. You're probably, oh, yeah, yeah, you girl. You mean your parents wouldn't be proud of you if you were a number four or B number six? Punky asks Margo. If you don't produce, they just go give up on you, Margo explains. You mean forget all about you, Punky asks? Exactly. That's why I'm always proving myself in bigger and better ways. Next week I'm going to win the Miss Adorable pageant. What's that, Punky asks? Just the most important pageant for preteens in the whole Chicago area, and the host is going to be Andy Gibb, Margot says dreamily, placing her hand over her heart. Andy Gibb? I love Andy Gibb. Every time I think about it, my heart does a break dance, Cherry exclaims. Punky hops down from her bed and goes over to join Margot and Cherry in the discussion, asking Margot, can anyone enter in this contest? Regrettably, yes, Margot admits. Then I'm going to enter, Punky says. Me too, Cherry adds. Miss Adorable has to be beautiful and talented, Marco informs them. Now let's be honest. Who's the one person in this room who fits that description? 
Margot asks rhetorically. They all point to themselves, saying, Me. Brandon, from over in his inner tube bed, barks in response to the question with his eyes still closed, and he, then he starts to snore. It's like, <laughs> it was really cute. It's like he was barking and his eyes weren't even open. Punky and Cherry giggle at that. Margot turns back to them asking, You two really want to go through that? Punky points to herself and says, I want to make Henry proud of me. And I want to meet Andy Gibb, Cherry admits. Okay, I'll get you two some applications tomorrow, Margot tells them. With that, they all go to bed, but not before we hear Punky's inner monologue on why she thinks her mother ditched her because she never did anything to make her mother proud of her. She decides she's not going to make that mistake with Henry. She's going to win the contest and be number one. You think that is so sad for her to, to think like that. Now it's the next day and we're in the living room and Henry is dusting his cute little figurines. <laughs> little war figurines. Alright, Henry, I'm done filling out this application, she calls over to him. Right there, I would have been, ha uh, you know, I would have been having Henry fill out that out. Unless the application is meant to be filled out by a child, which I really doubt it is. All you have to do is sign right here where it says, adorable parent, she tells him. I, I don't know about this, he tells her unsure. You don't think I can win, do you, Punky said sadly. Whoa! What's with the negativity? He just said he didn't know about it. Maybe give him some more info. I'm sure she sprang it on him as soon as she woke up, but let him at least look into it. I mean, this seriously is a big commitment here. You think I'll be a laugher stocking, Punky says to him. Oh, that's not it. I never worry about you being a laugher stocking, Henry assures her. Well, What's the problem, Punky asks. Well, for one thing, these pageants require a lot of preparation. You'll need a fancy dress, a, a fancy hairstyle, Henry tells her. Mrs. Johnson can help with all that. She's a whiz at that stuff, Punky says. Henry thinks it over, and Punky clasps her hands together and begs Henry to please let her be in the contest. Henry's still thinking it over. Pretty please, Henry, she begs some more. With sugar on top, she adds, and then she tries to bat her eyelashes at him. <laughs> okay, he looks down at her and smiles. Yippee, Punky shouts, throwing her arms up in the air. In the next shot, we see a sign advertising the Miss Adorable pageant hosted by Andy Gibb at Wrigley Hall. We see all the girls getting ready. Margot's mother is there and comments on how delicious a little girl looks to her mother. She is so delicious! Okay, I've never heard that compliment before in my life. That does sound kind of creepy. I love that color on her, Mrs. Kramer says. Oh, well, thank you, the mother says. Mrs. Kramer then turns to Margot and says, See what I mean about never wear red? Margot nods in agreement. Mrs. Kramer tells Margot they have this pageant locked up. Basically, it's in the bag, but they didn't count on two other contenders vying for that top spot. The stage director comes in to the room, calling all the mothers and girls. She looks at Henry and adds, and whoever you are. In today's world, Henry would seriously, he would not be allowed back there. <laughs> we need these little darlings on stage, and I mean now! 
I ne- I've never seen Dance Moms or Toddlers and Tiaras, those reality shows, but I can imagine they're pretty cutthroat. She walks over to dressing room B, knocks on the door, and tells whoever's inside, let's get moving, and walks out the door. Cherry comes out looking absolutely gorgeous. I love her peach-colored dress. I just noticed Brandon in the armchair next to the wall. He, like, seriously came out of nowhere. I didn't even realize he was there until I actually looked in that direction. Excuse me. Henry asks, where's Punky? And Betty informs him that Punky isn't too happy with the end result of her outfit. Betty assures Henry she'll take care of it and tells him to get Cherry on stage. Betty pushes him out the door saying, go, get, all the while Henry is mumbling, but, but, Punky, it's time to come out now. Don't be shy, honey. Punky walks out in this multicolored red, orange, blue, and yellow dress. Her pigtails are curled, wrapped in orange bows, as well as a big bow around her neck. I love her outfit. The curls are so great. Punky shuffles over as Mrs. Johnson hides her laughter and smiles, telling Punky the show is about to start. I love their scene together, but really, you know, they really haven't had many together, but I seriously love their chemistry. It's really sweet. Punky says how she feels ridiculous, and Betty reminds Punky that that was how Punky said she wanted to look. I know. But I was wrong. When Margot dresses like this, she looks like Miss Adorable. But when I dress like this, I look like Miss Horrible. Isn't there a way to make me look more like myself? Punky asks. Alright, come on, child. We got five minutes to punky you up. And they rush back into the dressing room. I clapped and shouted at this. I was like, oh, they're going to do something really cool with her. I am going to play that cute little exchange between Betty and Punky because I love it so much. And you, like I said, you really don't see them one-on-one in scenes together. So I will be right back. I hope you enjoyed the clip. Punky, you got to come out now. Don't be shy, honey. Punky, the show is starting. I feel ridiculous. I'm not going out there. But, Punky, that's exactly the way you said you wanted to look. I know, but I was wrong. When Margot dresses like this, she looks like Miss Adorable. When I dress like this, I look like Miss Horrible. (laughs) Isn't there a way to make me look more like myself? Come on, child, we got five minutes to punky you up. In the next scene, we see the stage and the spotlights come on. And then we hear the announcer's voice presenting the host, Andy Gibb. He comes out on stage with this great-looking sequenced black suit with a v-neck white shirt underneath and a gold chain around his neck and some red leather pants. Wow, look at this outfit. He mentions how they are a block away from Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs, and he adds at least someone from this neighborhood is going to win something. I thought that was, I thought that was funny. He then tells the audience how choosing a winner is going to be difficult because all of the contestants really live up to their name. As the girls all come out one by one, he sings the song, Thank Heaven for Little Girls. We begin with a talent competition. We see the first performer dressed as a Dutch girl from Holland on roller skates dancing with a large doll. And then we see her mother clapping along backstage. 
Next up, we see Margot in a pink sequenced dress singing the song, I Love Being a Girl. And as she tap dances along to the song, Andy Gibb comes back out on stage and apparently has to drag Margot off the stage because she will not leave. Her mother blows kisses to her off stage, and Margot blows kisses to the audience. Then we have a girl in a blue leotard twirling a baton in the air and f- failing to catch it. Her mother is off stage looking on in horror and is practically in tears. Truthfully, this girl shouldn't even be out there. Did the mother not practice with her at all prior to entering this pageant? The girl throws it in the air, missing it again, and does the splits. But she laughs and she's having a good time, so clearly all is well. Next up is Cherry, wearing a great-looking magician suit. The lapels are baby blue, and she's also wearing a top hat. She has a large box, which she opens the top of and goes over to the front of the box and opens that, revealing it's empty. Andy Gibb comes out, and Cherry invites him to step inside the box. He waves his hands back and forth like, no, I'm not getting in there, and Cherry points at him like a spell has been cast over him. He looks out to the audience like he's in a trance, and gets into the box. Once he's inside, she closes the door. A little blonde girl comes out and removes the step stool. Then she helps Cherry turn the box around twice until it's facing the audience once more. She Cherry thrusts her hands outward and we hear a spell sound effect. Cherry cranks the lever and a paper doll cut out of Andy Gibb comes out and she and the little girl hold it up to the audience for the audience to see. Henry and Betty look at each other in amazement. Cherry opens the front of the box, revealing no one inside. But inside, we see the next scene, which is when Punky and Brandon take the stage. Folks, this is my pal, the incredible, amazing Brandon the Wonder Dog. Brandon lies down and tries to grab at her (laughs) bandana on Punky's leg. For Brandon's first... Death-defying trick, Brandon will catch this ball in midair. She walks over and grabs a red ball with white dots on it, facing Brandon. She tosses the ball to Brandon, which lands on its face and then bounces off. Next, she puts on a blue cowboy hat and holds a gun, telling Brandon if he wants to get out of Tombstone alive, he's gonna have to sit up and beg. Brandon, sit up and beg. Please? She pleads. She straightens, telling Brandon, Okay, I warned you, now you're gonna be one dead dog. As she points the gun at him, she pulls the trigger and a flag pops out that says bang. She whispers to Brandon to play dead. He just continues to lie there. Shucks, I must have missed, Punky says, walking over and placing the gun and hat on the table. She announces Brandon's last trick. Brandon the Wonder Dog will jump through the hoop of fire, which is a hula hoop decorated with yellow paper flames. Only, it's a cardboard fire. If it were a real fire, I couldn't hold the hoop, she tells the And the audience laughs. Betty and Henry laugh at this also. Punky holds the hoop at chest level and orders Brandon to jump. Uh, Punky, that's seriously way too high. I'd say drop it down to waist level. She moves it to her waist level and then tells Brandon to jump. Finally, she moves it lower so it's basically touching the floor and whispers to him to jump. He still just lays there. I seriously think he's sleeping because his eyes are closed. She moves to the end of him saying this is how it would have looked if he had done it. 
The reason I call him Brandon the Wonder Dog is because we always wonder when he's going to do something. She puts the hoop back in its stand and begins to walk off stage. Brandon finally jumps through the hoop, following her. Punky comes back on stage and bows for the audience. Then we see all the girls lined up on stage. Andy Gibb comes back out on stage and announces the judges' final decision for the five finalists. He announces the names Karen Westbrook, Margot Kramer, Cherry Johnson, Melinda Crosby, and last but not least, Punky Brewster. Brandon barks off stage as Betty and Henry clap. Andy Gibb asks each of the girls an unrehearsed question so, so the judges can get to know the girls better and make a final decision. He asks Karen, what living American do you most admire and why? She answers, her Uncle Phil, because he can play Yankee Doodle on his armpit. What? That sounds like something a boy would say, not a girl. I mean, that's what I think, anyway. Andy Gibb chuckles and says, well, isn't that patriotic? <laughs> I seriously thought that was funny. He then calls down Margot Kramer. He tells her to finish the sentence. In my free time, I like to... And Margot replies, roll bandages for the Red Cross, knit shawls for shelters, and make this world a better place in which to live. Okay, that sounds so rehearsed. I'd be like, okay, let's try this again and tell me the truth this time. What do you like to do in your free time? <laughs> He's like, isn't that wonderful, he tells the audience. Margot grabs the microphone from him and tells everyone how she believes in world peace and a strong military. Thank you, Margot. That was very nice, he says, as she blows kisses and curtsies. Now Cherry comes forward. Andy Gibb asks <laughs> What she likes best in school. Lunch, she replies. He asks, you don't like school? And Cherry says, well, it kills the time until dinner. He calls down Melinda, asking who is the most important person in your life. She says, her mom and dad. And you see her mom beaming in the background. Well, actually, that's two people. Let's try a different question. Instead, he asks her if she could change one thing in her life, what would it be? I guess I'd have to say, my mom and dad. Okay, get her off the stage now. Please, she's wasting time. Punky comes down and Andy Gibb asks her what she wants to be when she grows up. She answers, the president of the United States. Or a waitress. I'm not sure which. But I do know this. Whoever you are, you should be yourself. So that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. That's wonderful, Punky, he tells her. Aw, I like her answer. Just like Cherry's, they're both really, really great. She tells him, great jacket, and walks up to the pyramid of all the other girls. The second runner-up, Karen Westbrook. That honestly should have been punky. First runner-up, Melinda Crosby. What? No, the girl who couldn't answer a question correctly twice, I might add. It definitely should have been punky. He announces the winner. Cherry Johnson. Yes! Oh, I love Margot's expression when she loses. She just stands there in shock. Like, she can't believe she lost. Cherry goes up to accept her crown. Margot is being such a brat and a sore loser, she doesn't even congratulate Cherry. I'm so happy for Cherry and Betty, though. Backstage, we see Punky come out of the dressing room with a sad look on her face. Henry walks over to her, congratulating her on her performance. She tells him she blew it. He says, you were one of the top finalists. That's terrific. 
I know how badly you wanted to win. She tells him, I didn't want to win for me. I wanted to win for you. For me? Henry asks. Yeah, I wanted to be a number one, so you would be proud of me. But I am proud of you. How can you be? I never won anything. Margot says you have to win stuff to prove your parents to your parents that you're someone special. I wanted to give you a trophy tonight. Punky, Henry says, drawing her close to him. You are unbelievably special to me. You've already given me something bigger and better than a trophy, and it's made of pure gold. What's that? she asks. Your heart, he tells her, and then they hug. Cherry and Betty come out of the dressing room, and Cherry can't find her crown. Punky tells her she knows who has it. Brandon, the wonder dog. The camera pans over to Brandon, who takes off with it, and they chase after him. Brandon, uh, no, Brandon, Punky chastises him in the doorway. That's the end of the episode. I am going to play the second clip of... Henry and Punky's little heart-to-heart in the dressing room. It's very, very sweet. I hope you enjoy it. There you are. Hi, Henry. You were really something tonight. I blew it. You were one of the five finalists. That's terrific. I know how badly you wanted to win, but... I don't want to win for me. I want to win for you. For me? Yeah. I want to be A number one, so you'd be proud of me. But I am proud of you. How can you be? I never won anything. Margo says that you have to win stuff to prove to your parents that you're somebody special. I wanted to give you a trophy tonight. Punky, you are unbelievably special to me. And you've already given me something that is much Bigger and better than trophy. And it's made of pure gold. What's that? Your heart. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that clip. It's time for my Brandon Tailwag episode rating. I gave this episode 5 out of 5 Brandon Tailwags. 1. For the colorful dresses and costumes. 2. For Betty and Punky screen time. Her helping with Punky's dress, making it less frilly when they only had 5 minutes until showtime. Number 3. For Cherry's magic act. Number four for Punky and Brandon's act. And number five for Henry and Punky's heart-to-heart. Now it's time for Punky's principles. Where I give my own, my own moral of what I learned from this episode. I never felt like I had to compete or be the best at something to get my parents' attention. And I feel no child should ever think that that's the way to go about getting their parents' affection. It's not something to be earned. It should be given willingly. No strings attached. I was told to be the best me I could be. If I lost at something, it wasn't the end of the world. As long as I gave it my best effort, that's all that should be expected. Margot giving this advice to Punky and Cherry makes me wonder about her outlook on life and how she doesn't have a a positive female role model in her life. Just her mother telling her she has to win at everything. And that's that's just sad that no child should have to feel that way. Alright, and I do want to give you all a sincere thank you 
all you listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week. Joining me as I go into full detail describing her many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. All right, it's time for the segment, Punky Peeps Around the World. Let's give a shout out to some new listeners. We have some international listeners from Tokyo, Japan, West Bank, Canada, Colima, Colima, Mexico, Mumbai, India, Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, Windsor, Canada, Guatemala City, Guatemala, Guatemala, and the U.S. listener, New... Oh, sorry about that. Oh, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Now it's time for some user reviews. Entertaining with a good cast. This came from IMDb in March of 2005. Punky Brewster, while primarily geared to children, was an entertaining staple to the traditional 80s sitcom offerings. Centered around a young orphan and her older foster father, the show featured laughs, tears, lessons in life, and 30 minutes for watchers to kick back their feet. While Soleil Moonfry was the ultimate carrier of this show, the supporting cast, in my opinion, were underrated. A lot of strong talent and great chemistry evident. The funny jabs between Betty and Henry was a throwback to the Jeffersons, George, and Florence. Interesting to know, Marla Gibbs and Susie Garrett are sisters. Alan was a funny child actor playing the role of the goofy preteen boy, possibly just beginning to discover girls, ahead of his fellow boy classmates, and playing along with them as friends and trying to entertain them with his humor. Margot was amusing as well, with her sassy yet funny views on the wealthy lifestyle. Her facial expressions were hilarious, as were some of her over-the-top party dresses and comments on various situations. Her arrival via helicopter to summer camp took the cake, which that happens in season four. That's a spoiler. And Cherry Ever the sidekick, charming and reliable, during an episode where she finally came to terms with the death of her parents, her dramatic performance demonstrated how strong a child actress she really was, conveying emotions and playing the part with every thing she had. I am amazed she was not seen in larger roles after the show. That is another spoiler for season 3 or 4. In general, this was a fun show, and despite being a kid's production, it featured some talented players who managed to catch the attention of at least this viewer. Alright now, the next episode I will be reviewing will be Season 1, Episode 10, Dogdo Afternoon, which aired on December 2nd, 1988. When Punky hears Henry complain about how much money it costs to feed and clothe Punky, she takes it upon herself to find a way to help with the cost. With the added assistance of Cherry and Alan, they start a dog grooming business, and everything begins to spiral out of control when they realize they've bitten off more business than they can chew. Here's next week's listener question of the week. What was your first job as a child? Did you mow lawns, start a lemonade stand, or wash cars to earn extra money? All right, that is the end of the episode. I thank you again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next week with the new episode, Season 1, Episode 10, Dog Doe Afternoon. So have a great week, punky peeps, and I will see you soon.